Garrett is a great example of what dads do to their kids when moms are not around. Um, he's an example of a baby that was shaken really hard. So if you're wondering, what is wrong with him? It's like... <laughs> well, you didn't shake him hard enough. You don't want to either want to do it really good or not at all. So that's his daddy back there. <clears throat> now, I... Uh, yeah, they asked me to do this on Wisdom About Anger because they kind of went around and said, who has the most problem with anger in the church? We'll let him speak. So uh, we're going to talk about Wisdom About Anger. Uh, we're going to do some uh, a few discussion kinds of things today, so it's not going to be preaching straight through, uh, but I want to share a few things first. Um, I am deeply scarred by anger. My dad was one of the angriest humans I've ever heard of, seen. Um, I know that each of us were affected differently in our family. My brother Jack's here. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, it was first really more about the way he treated my mother. Um, I was a mama's boy. I was the youngest of eight children, so I was very sensitive to my mother, and I think I had a, a an instinct that she was already ill. Uh, I was home with her when Jack went to school. I was home when I was five with her all day during the school year, which none of the other uh, kids had ever gotten, and I spent more time alone with my mother probably than my own dad ever had. Um, so I saw her. Um, I was a bright kid, and I was also a very sensitive kid. Um, I didn't miss much. I kind of survived that way. We all kind of instinctively use what we got to cope. Uh, some people are able to dissociate a little more to, to kind of get out of that. I know that Jack uh, was much better at dealing with my dad than I was, and he helped me a whole lot through the years. And uh, I mean that very sincerely. And that's why Jack has been such a home base for me over the years, because there's just kind of a comfort. We were a year and a half apart age-wise, but we were one grade apart um, and about the same size all of our lives. So I'm really thankful that I had him around. Um, but, but our dad uh, would become really psychotic when he was angry. I remember lying awake at night um, hearing him yelling at my mother. Uh, he would, you know, they'd be back there and he would just be talking, just cussing at her. And, and it was just devastating to me. Well, in addition to getting to spend a year alone with my mom, I got to spend a year alone with him. After Jack went to college, it was just my dad and me in the home. I cannot describe how awful that year was for me. Number one, we, we had this little house, and we went from 10 of us in this house to two of us. The loneliness I felt that year was just overwhelming, and I have no doubt that if I'd had to stay in that, I would have killed myself. I could not live that way. Now, I know a lot of you, this resonates with you. We've all had our experience with, with anger, some more than others, some with our own. And, and, 
And when you, you know what I'm talking about, it's like we've all had an experience with fire. Perhaps we've all burned ourselves once, just a little bit. Maybe you're someone that was burned a lot. There's nothing more painful than that. Well, emotionally, there's nothing more painful than to get burned by anger. Some more than others, but we've all been burned by it. And again, sometimes it's our own. People are sitting in prison for the rest of their life, victims of their own anger. And it's not going to go away. It's not going to change. There's a whole lot of things that can't be undone. So I certainly uh, uh, am glad we're doing this today with primarily the men. And in a few moments when we have some group discussions, I'm going to ask the ladies to go back there and have some ladies groups. Because what I know is, is that, and I'm going to generalize here because you know there's exceptions to everything, but women really do experience anger in general a little differently than men. They process it. Uh, Women's brains are more integrated between thinking and feeling, if I can use those two expressions, than men are. There's some interesting studies on this. I'm not a neuroscientist, nor am I a psychiatrist, but I, I do have degrees in science and psychology, and I know a little bit about this, and I read about it because, you know, just dealing with my own stuff and dealing with our stuff. So, um, but I will tell you that men don't have a bigger problem than women. In fact, in the last 25 years, what I see more than ever in the business marketplace was that women in general are angry. And, and if I use the word frustrated, I think it will resonate more, but frustration is just a kind of a, a nuance of anger. And I think we can all understand that. But there's a whole lot of anger that's bubbling up in our society, and Satan is very good at inflaming it. And that we've all been victimized by that in our society. Uh, There's no accident with this anger and chaos that's being produced in our country. Because this is the, the soil that Satan does his work in. So this is very important for each of us to gain some wisdom on this subject of anger. Because we all deal with it. It's an emotion. And we've all messed up with it because we're human and we've all been hurt by it because we live in a social world where we, uh, it's like playing basketball. If you play enough, you're going to get fouled. And if you play a whole lot and it gets rough, you're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt someone else. So we could talk a lot about forgiveness and mercy and all that stuff. That's for another, another day because in imitating Jesus, we know we have to be forgiving of others, but we have to be forgiving of ourselves. But what I want you to do is just with somebody next to you, I'd like for you to just about one minute pray for each other for wisdom about anger. One minute. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is, an, is answerable to the court. 
and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus is describing the ramping up of anger here with this and kind of pointing out the seriousness. I want you to note that he is associating anger with murder. Just like he associates uh, adultery, lust with adultery. Because that's where it begins. And, and this is a very serious thing to him. Now, he uses this expression that, you know, that um, anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And this is talking about a kind of immediacy and anger that I get mad at one of my brothers and I, there's danger. You know, if you, you, you watch TV, you know, I believe it was in Lost in Space that that little robot would say, danger, Will Robinson. Well, we'll say some more about that in a second. But there, there is, you're in a danger zone the immediate you come. It's like when you see a member of the opposite sex, or in some people's cases, the same sex, and you feel an attraction. The attraction itself is not sinful, but danger. Because the progression of that is sinful. How do we know exactly when that is? We don't know. But we know that there's a danger coming up here. But so Jesus is describing a ramping up. The first is just subject to judgment. And then he talks about subject to the court. So this raka is a term of contempt. We're saying something. The first is we're just angry. You know, let me tell you what. People will never be merciful to angry people. None of us like being around anger. You will always lose when you get anger, angry as far as the people around you. You are already in danger of judgment. They will not believe your objective. They won't, will not believe you really care. And they're going to at least not listen to you. And at worst, they're going to see you as completely out of control and wrong. But when then you say something out of contempt, that's where that underlying burn is becoming more than that. It's starting to come out and you say something to somebody out of contempt, whatever your thing is. Um, Now it's coming out and you're in danger of the court. Here he's talking about the local jurisdiction, the court, whatever that was in their place. Well, it's the same with you. There's a certain level when your anger comes out, you're in danger of getting taken to court. And this last is, is where you completely discredit another's moral worth. This idea of you fool, you are worthless. It's, it's, saying the worst thing you can say, thinking the worst thing you can think to one of God's people, to a human. And it doesn't matter who they are. Jesus does not give you a pass to talk this way about your enemy. He says, love your enemy. You want, you want to be like, The pagans, you can do that. They love the people that love them. You want to be like God, love your enemy. Because that's what Jesus does. That's who God is. Now, the only question is, how do we appropriate that? 
And that's where we get into trouble on the other side of the coin in, an, a coin in enabling. But this idea, you do that, you're in danger of the fires of hell. You've gotten on God's bad side here. And you want to see furor, you do something like that to a mom or dad's kid that loves that kid. Mama bear becomes a grizzly bear. And you will find out. And this is what he's saying in our reflecting God with people. This is not okay. Now Jesus is not mincing words here. And when he said, but I say, he's saying, but I God say. The Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of the law. The Lord of the universe. You do this, you're going to get in big trouble. This is not good. So Jesus is describing that ramping up of anger. Now what I want you to do just in pairs, again for about two minutes, I want you to kind of thinking aloud here to answer the question, what is anger? The the New Testament particularly kind of reflects two facets of anger. One is short-term and one is long-term. The the short-term is what we would see as the reactive emotion. It's you, you know, hit your finger with a hammer and you want to punch yourself in the face, which is pretty counterproductive, but nonetheless, (laughs) you know, you, you just, it's like, yikes. Um, Somebody says something to you that rubs you wrong. You know, it, it, it's that emotion. And it, it's like any of our emotions. It's, it's coming out of our instinct, of our survival instinct. And a lot could be said about this. And uh, as, as psychology has developed over the years, there's a lot of different views and ideas about anger. And even if you look at the definitions, but, but suffice it to say, it is, a, it is an emotion that, that, that causes us to act and react. It, it drives us to do that. To say causes, that's to say it's inevitable, but it is when we act out of things like that, it drives us to do that. And it's very uh, reactive. And like I say, we could say a whole lot more about this, and we've taught plenty about this uh, here, and there's plenty written about it. Um, but today we're just going to, uh, in a few moments, I'm going to have you get in groups, and we're just going to share about two key points. And, and the first is simply that anger, anger is a powerful emotion that must be dealt with early and quickly. It's like a fire. That emotion comes and you got a spark. And if you're not careful, if you've got kindling around it, now you've got a fire going. And if there's enough fuel around it, it it can do a lot of damage. And we've seen that. Growing up out in the country, uh, we had different kinds of fire. We were in the oil field, so we would see oil fires and things like that. Sometimes they would actually burn it off on purpose. And that was kind of a dark smoke. But then there were the grass fires. Um, And out in the country, that's a big deal. There's no fire department. 
and everybody was kind of watching out and our homes were, you know, next to pastures. Uh, and it could come across and it could do a lot of damage real fast. All of our homes, for the most part, were, were dry wood and they would burn in a hurry. My parents, um, uh, over the years, uh, I believe it was my dad's family, their house burned down and then my own parents' house burned down. Uh, at one point. So there was just this great caution uh, with fire and an awareness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, I think a very important text here through 27. What Paul says is, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Now, there's a whole progression of of thought here that is is starting in con- context in verse 17, which Paul says, um, so I'm going to urge you, don't, you must no longer live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, the way you think about anger is going to affect the way you deal with anger, and it's going to affect very much how it is expressed in your life. So, where he says you've got to put off falsehood. Let me just say this. Anger beyond the emotion is almost always going to lie to you. The things you say in anger are more often than not a lie. You call somebody a fool, a worthless, a morally worthless human. That is the second worst lie you can tell. And the first being that you say something like that about God. And the second is that you say something like that about somebody made in God's image. God is listening. Husbands, when you say ugly things to your wives, God heard you. And before she's your wife, she's his daughter. Wives, when you say something to your husband like that, that's God's son. And you're talking about his heavenly father, talking to him in front of his heavenly father. Parents, those kids are not first yours, they're God's. Kids, when you talk to your parents, those are God's children. And you don't get a pass because they didn't act right. You don't even get a pass if they're your enemy. You don't get a pass if they treated you wrong. There's not a pass. Why? Because God is mean. No, because it's awful. You do this, it will destroy you. And that's why we have to understand this thing about falsehood. We're members of one body. And when you hurt any of us, you hurt all of us. And when you hurt all of us, you hurt all of us. You're doing something to humanity. You're doing something to the body of Christ. You're doing something to the family of humanity here. It's a big deal. Everything you do is a big deal. There, there's, this, there's this idea that, that anything that is produced out here, if it's put out in nature, it ultimately will spread itself around the whole earth. It will distribute itself. Now, I say it's an idea, it's a theory, but those of you that have studied physical science know that. You know, you, you emit gas, it's going to start spreading out. 
and it will spread itself around. It's the nature of the world. Things spread. We just went through a pandemic and we see how this little bitty microscopic piece of, I believe it's RNA, how it spread through all of us so fast. Anger's that way. So he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now that last part is real key because that's why you let anger go. You give the devil a foothold. And if you, if you know what that's picturing, it's like you go to answer your door and there's somebody there that's getting ready to take over your house and damage you. If you open that door, they stick, they stick their steel-toed boot in that door. That's a foothold, an example of one. Now your lock is done. Even if you've got a chain there for someone bent on violence, that's not much. Well, a foothold with Satan becomes a stronghold. And, and anger will, will become a stronghold a stronghold in your life. So he's saying you've got to deal with it. A wrathful man stirs up discord, but one slow to anger calms strife. Proverbs fifteen eighteen. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. A quick Quick-tempered man acts foolishly, Proverbs fourteen seventeen. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression, Proverbs nineteen eleven. Without wood, a fire goes out, Proverbs twenty six twenty. The Proverbs have a number of things to say about this, and they're all under this umbrella of wisdom. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In, in, in our house, the fear of dad was the beginning of wisdom. My sons can tell you that I use that with them quite often. Either you settle that or I'm going to settle it. And it'll be a lot better for you if you settle it. Well, that I get that directly from God. In Jesus' statement in Matthew 21, uh, 5, that text that we just read, he says, it, so if you go to the altar to give a gift, and there you remember your brother has something against you, set it down. He's, he's talking about the temple here and they had a rail and the people would bring their gift and they would hand it over to the priest, one of the priests, and they would go offer the gift. This is what they're getting here. He's saying, you're taking your gift to the altar. Say, so wait, you know, I swore at Preston, which I've wanted to a number of times, but I have not yet. But, you know, the thinking, oh, I need to set this thing down here and go over and say, I blew it. Brother, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? More yet is if I did something to him that damaged him. If I can 
make restitution for that, that's part of it. I stole from you. I did something to you. I'm going to try to make restitution. What can I do to make this up? Well, that's what he's getting at here. You, you need to make this right. In your anger, don't sin. And he's giving some ideas of what that's about here. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And so here's some of the wisdom scriptures on this. And uh, they're going to project this first, this, the scriptures up. And here's two questions I want you. Now, what I want you to do here is kind of get into groups of three or four, but not more than four. Because I'd like for each person to have a minute to two minutes to share here. Um, and, and from these two questions. And I just put the scripture references up there because I said them quite quickly. You can look them back up, assuming that I got them right when I put them on there. Um, How might one discern when emotional anger becomes sinful anger? Because to do that, you know, in your anger, don't sin. We've got to have some kind of an idea. When does that happen? Because there is a place that anger can be very helpful when somebody has been treating unjustly, there ought to be somebody to stand up and say, I'm not okay with that. That's not all right. Now, to pull my gun out and just shoot them because I don't like it, that's another thing. But, but, but clearly, we all know that bullies will run over people if there's not somebody to say something. But if somebody will speak up and say something, that will quell a whole lot of it, even in schools. Somebody speaks up. And that kind of starts with, this isn't right. I don't like this. But you have to be careful because you can become angry and sin in that. And number two, how do you experience both kinds of anger? So you're going to have to think about this. You're going to have to think out loud. Uh, We're not trying to call anybody out here. I know we always have some new people, so please don't feel pressured to share. Uh, if If you're new, you can ask personal questions to any member you want and expect them to answer it. I'm kidding. But just immediate and long term. And what do you do to try to recognize and deal with each? So that's kind of a ideal question for you to think about. So in groups of three, four, Two is kind of getting a little tight, but if you don't have anybody else and that around you that you like, you can just do it with the people that you do like. So, okay, go. Let me let me say something about our sharing times in the sermon. Really, what we're trying to do with this is to get your mind to think and also to prompt you to talk about this. Some people don't know what to talk about. This is a great subject. If somebody said something in your group that you've got insight into, just say, hey, brother or sister, can we talk about this? And I realized after I started for the ladies, I didn't send you the back, so just please forgive me. You have to put up with some guys. That's all I can say. So I won't do it the next time. But um, So, yeah, this is a chance, or you realize there's something you need to talk about. Or maybe somebody shared an insight that you're thinking, that would be helpful to me. Just after church, ask them if you can talk. And if you can't do it here, do it some other time. Talk on the phone, get together. Um, Because James says that don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers. Don't be hearers only. He 
said, person that hears and doesn't do is like somebody that sees himself in the mirror and then forgets what they look like. So when you share these things, you're always going to see ugly, guys. We all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and it's painful. But the, the good news about recognizing sin is it's something that can be dealt with. These issues, emotions, it's what do you do with that? We're all emotional. We all feel. But, but when I say I've got anger, when does anger become sin? It's when you first think about doing evil, punching somebody, hurting somebody, hurting yourself. It's, it's an evil thought that then turns to evil. How do we discern exactly? You're not going to. But the minute you have any kind of evil intent, you're starting that evil thought cycle that James tells us about. And we all can experience both. But, but when short-term anger becomes your brooding, your pouting, you're passively, aggressively punishing someone. I'm okay. You're lying. You're not okay. And you think that's okay for you to lie? It's not okay. Even if someone deserves somebody to be angry at them, it's not okay for you to do that. That's God's business. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay so, so when you try to do God's business, you're probably going to get in more trouble than the person you're wanting to punish. And this is serious. When you are harboring anger, you are in sin. And that is the kind of sin that puts you in danger of hell. For if you do not forgive your brother or sister's sins against you, I will not forgive you yours. Most of the time when we're angry, we're at least half wrong anyway. We've interpreted this in our mind and enabled ourselves to think and act ugly. Pout. To be mad. To wish evil on someone. To sit around and stew about how we've been wrong. But it's hard for us to sit around and remember all that we did wrong. Husbands with your wife. It's hard for you to remember all those things, but it's really easy to remember her things and vice versa. The second is point I want to make here is anger does not bring about God's way. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. People say, well, Jesus got angry. Well, number one, Jesus was Jesus. And you're not. Right? We have to be very careful. Jesus knew exactly how not to sin. We don't. You probably want to redirect that emotion and kind of think. Because your anger is not going to do God's deal. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Are you an angry person? Is anger the number one emotion you experience? If you're, if you're an analytical or you're a driver, it will be one of your pervasive emotions you have to deal with. It's just kind of there because it's a control emotion. Most temper fits are just to, just to control people. Even if you're just afraid I'm going to throw a fit. Well, I'm not going to say that. They'll get mad. Well, see, that's what it's there for. 
It's to control you. It's to hurt you so that you, you can't get in my space. Listen to the Proverbs 27, 3 and 4. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. If you stay calm, you are wise. But if you have a hot temper, you only show how stupid you are. That's offensive. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Uh, what do you, what'd you think, Solomon? Uh, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in sin. Is that blunt enough for you? So the question I want you to discuss for just a few more minutes in your little group is, how does your anger impede your ability to grow spiritually and thus glorify God? I always wish we had more time, um, but what I have to say is a lot more important than what you have to say to each other. <laughs> Sorry. Don't get angry. I'm playing. I just, it's always a frustration to lead the church, but I, I can see the quality of the conversations are good and important. But I hope that it does just kind of prime the pump for you to have a conversation about anger. It's a big deal. So just in conclusion, I want to I want to say a couple of well, I want to say seven things actually. Allowing your anger to grow and vent is going to do great destruction in your life with your closest friends, your wife, your husband, your children at work. It will burn down everything. If you allow it go unabated, it will and it can destroy you and send you away from God. Number 2, angry people become blinder and blinder. Um, people that are perpetually angry have always have two particular personality traits. One is they're subjective. They, they cannot see through other people's eyes and they assume other people can't. They will always assume that you are subjective. And, and therefore, we all have to be talking about it because we don't know whether we're being subjective or not over the long haul, but eventually you can start recognizing it. But if your anger, if you experience anger and it's only towards someone else to blame somebody else, you're being subjective. You can't see your own fault in things, your own weaknesses. Um, it, it, it's going to destroy. Number two, angry people, ah, I said that, become blinder and blinder. Number three, angry people are horrendously subjective, selfish, narrow-minded, and closed-minded. When you're really angry, you're all of that. If you let it go, you're going to be subjective, you're going to be selfish, you're going to be narrow-minded, and even closed-minded, and you don't even know it. That's why when you think others are fools, you're the only fool in the room. Number four, unhandled anger will destroy you, 
Number five, anger will destroy others' respect for you. There's nothing that will destroy the influence of a leader more than others seeing you as angry and angry toward other people. You will lose every argument. People will not respect you. So if you have unabated anger and it starts at home, what would your wife say? What would your husband say? What would your children say? If you talk to my dad, he literally, literally told us with great regularity that he never disciplined his kids when he was angry. The audacity. I remember leaving when I was 17. We were playing a game called Pollyanna with my sister and her friend, and my sister got lucky. My dad got so angry, he flipped the board over and said, we're leaving. We got in the car. He literally hit over 80 miles an hour on a one-lane gravel road, and we went over a single-lane bridge going 70. And he cussed at me and told me he ought ought to kick my blankety-blankety-blank out of the car. I'd done nothing. That's just one example. He, He said more than once, we'd both be better off dead. You know what that made me think. And I think he did think about killing me. Number six, anger. Anger is contagious. It is more contagious than any deadly disease. You get around angry people and you hang out with them and you'll become angry. That's again, you that are listening to this inflammatory media that are getting on social media, that is intended to inflame you, which is nothing but anger. And you're going to say and do ugly stuff. They're manipulating you. Satan is manipulating you. You'd be better off to just go do something good for someone than to sit there and listen to that and seethe and talk about how awful other people are because they're not as righteous as you are. And that's what it does to us, right? I mean, I'll see it sometimes. I might be reading and think, oh, get away from this. I'll see it in myself. No, stop. I, I can't handle it. And number seven, anger is divisive. I have watched churches blow up over the anger of one person. And when I say that, I mean that. The church in Duran I came from has never, since the time I and the former preacher left, never been like it was. The church in Colorado that I was a part of, we started a church, it blew up after I left. The church in Phoenix is no more. The church that we started this out of went from 1,500. I think they have about 150 members right now. And let me tell you, I could tell you about the anger that was under all of that. So I hope that this is helpful, and I hope it serves as a sobering cautionary note for each one. Don't you look out there and think, well, you know, Brandon's got a real problem with anger. If you say... I told you, that's what happens when a kid gets shaken too hard. It's Garrett. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, let me say a prayer over us. I pray that you bless our church, that you soothe our anger and help us to be wise. Although our flesh serves sin, God, help us to serve you with our mind and hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless.